Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and thank you for downloading this week's podcast of the Best of Breakfast Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, Dynamic Geo, Dick and Dom give us the lowdown about the Drive-In Club, which is doing its bit to help support the entertainment industry with its array of live shows. The incredibly talented Dottie opens up her new book, Outraged, why everyone is shouting and no one is talking and what she'll be up to once she leaves BBC Radio 1 Extra. Super Sub Sam Pinkham was here for us on Monday, joined by the legendary William Shatner lifting the lid on unknowable mysteries from his show The Unexplained on Sky History. And the dynamic duo of Kaiser frontman Ricky Wilson and broadcasting legend Tony Blackburn examine incredible musical mysteries in their podcast, Pop Detective. All of that and loads more still to come. So, Vassos, who's the first guest? Right then, how's this for some podcast fun? Two of our favourite people answering questions like, was Freddie Mercury's 41st birthday really the best party of all time? And... Did Cher's wigs really have their own hotel room? Let's find out with the pop detectives, the wonderful Ricky Wilson and Tony Blackburn. Good morning, morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good morning. Morning, morning. How are we? Hello, hello. Are we both all right? Hi there. Yes, we're fine, thanks. Uh, we're on the on cases already at this time in the morning. It's unbelievable. We're up there, we're out and about, and we're solving myths. I love it. Uh, Tony is 77 years old, but he's irrepressible. Ricky, what's it like actually working with the guy? Well, the workload is phenomenal. Tony has me under the lash every day. I have to work solidly. We're 24-7, and I didn't know work could be this hard. But, Tony, thank you for bringing me to this world, and it's, oh. it's been an eye-opener. It's a pleasure, old friend. How did you two get together in the first place, Tony? What was your first day? Like, it obviously went very well because you're still together. Yep. Yes, well, um, I I, I met Ricky in a studio, uh, a radio studio, and uh, he was going to do a podcast, but he wanted to do it strangely with me. And so we looked into what we could do and we found Pop Detective Works. We'd be the number one because there there are no others doing it. <laughs> so we we've cornered the market. And, and from the moment we uh, yeah. the moment we met, we got on really well. Right. And and now it's even great. Funnily enough, the <laughs> pandemic that we're going through. Uh, has helped us a little bit because we don't have to wear disguises anymore because we have the face masks <laughs> and a big hat. You obviously get on like a house on fire. Yes. Um, just tell us about the preamble to the Share podcast. We'll talk about the Share podcast in a bit. Uh, but you had the, you have this chat, don't you, Ricky, about lockdown and about, about Tony's latest in a, in a lifetime of suntans. <laughs> oh well, Tony. Um, thing is, it's been a it's been a good time for Tony. This there's been a little bit of sun and a lot of time, which equals uh, <laughs> a, a very dark hue in Tony's. Uh, but yeah, I mean, whenever I've met him in the studio, he's always buttoned down to his navel anyway, so he's always on display. Yeah. Um, and uh, medallion as well, you love. Well, there's always a white mark where your medallion has been resting. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. but but we 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 can shove that to one side, literally. Um, but. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and the best thing about it is, like, here's the thing: yeah. if you're really into a serious investigation, like mm-hmm. you follow those podcasts about true crime, it probably isn't your first port of call for podcasts because it's more about <laughs> having fun than anything else. Yeah, and I don't want to burst anyone. It's such a good idea, it. though, Ricky. It's a great idea because you know you you take a bit of trivia, you know, and you're with your mate, and we both love you. You know, most most people would love you both and just want to be in your company, regardless of what you were talking about. But you know, is it? And it's like a Mission Impossible format almost, isn't it? Because you, you take a sort mm. of you sort of a, t- a telephone message recording from somebody who wants to know something. Just explain how it works. Well, even yesterday over Twitter, I read that someone had pointed out um, in the wake of Ringo's 80th birthday that he'd revealed. Or someone had revealed, I don't know where it came from, that he's never eaten an onion. <laughs> and then well, and that means me and Tony are going to have to get on this case and find out whether Ringo has eaten an onion or not. Because it sounds well, he improbable. Hasn't, he's missed out on a lot, hasn't he? Well, has he? well, exactly. Has Ringo eaten a Ringo, which is the most popular, popular oh. onion savoury snack from the 70s? Yeah. I like I found it. We talked about this on the actual podcast. Mm-hmm. I've found a news agent near me that does salt and vinegar Ringos, and they're rare, <laughs> right? And I, I went in and had to lie that and tell them I had kids because I was buying so many. By the way, is there, is there anything better in batter than an onion ring? Because if there is, I don't want it. Uh, right. So, how does it work? <laughs> who's the Sherlock and who's the Holmes, Tony? I'm definitely the Holmes. And uh, Ricky, right, Ricky yeah. is Ricky. I, I think that that's correct. I mean, we we solved the the first case we solved was uh, Ted Bundy. <laughs> Did Blondie get into a car with Ted Bundy? And from that moment on, we've been so mm. much in demand. We're flooded out with people who want to us to solve these myths. And do you charge and, yeah. by the, do you charge by the hour? How does it work? If we no, want no, to... we don't no, charge. No. We're a public service. I mean, we're not funded <laughs> yeah. by the government. No, I mean, but no. I would argue that we're 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 two homes. I mean, I'm his apprentice, really. Right. I think that to Sam Watson yeah, would true. be would be weird because he, he's he's really teaching me, you know, because he's been doing it. I mean, with, you know, with great respect, a lot longer than I have. Okay, so uh, who have you got in your sights um, in the future? So we have we have share we can go and enjoy. Was Miley Cyrus used to, as a political attraction to uh, by Barack Obama? Was Gene Wilder a Kaiser Chiefs fan? Was Freddie Mercury's forty first birthday party really the best party ever? Anything else to look forward to? Uh, I yeah, I would like to. Oh, I would have one that I'd like to go to uh, investigate, Chris, about you. To be honest with you, come on. Uh, did you buy a very expensive car at Little Wick Green? Uh, yeah, and it was exactly the same as the one your wife bought the week before. <laughs> Green Rover. <laughs> I um, want to investigate that one because okay. I've been told. You know where I live. I've got, I've got <laughs> another one. Come on. Um, yep. uh, it's another car-related one. I heard that Rod Stewart, yeah. in his heyday, yeah. had bought a yellow Lamborghini. It's in his book. It's in his book. It's in his book. Is it in his book? Yeah, go on. And he went to America, yeah. and uh, because he wanted to get girls but didn't have the car with him, he used to take a, a little model of it round. So if he got someone up to his oh. hotel room, he'd get the model and say, that's my car, back I home. I don't know about that, but, but the yellow Lamborghini bit's true. Um, right. Read his book. Uh, boys, well done. Congratulations. Um, when are you getting together again? Obviously, you're, you're, you're remote at the moment, I would imagine. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that from, from how you're sounding. Uh, when do you get yeah, next, yeah. Th- next Thursday. Next Thursday, I next believe. We're, Thursday. We're, we're doing another one. We, we've got a big, big case on our hand on that one. <laughs> and uh, we are, um, you know, I'm having sleepless nights over it, to be honest with you. But uh, Ricky's doing a wonderful job out there at the moment. Okay. I'm undercover at the moment, yeah. All right. Undercover. Uh, yeah. All right. What, bed cover? Yeah, yeah, bed cover. <laughs> yes, All right. I am. Well, you're both awesome. Ricky and Tony Pop Detectives available from wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Chris. Happy detecting. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. After breaking records as an MC, she went on to conquer the radio world, attracting the highest figures the One Extra Breakfast Show has ever seen. And she's just released her first book. Please welcome the almost annoyingly multi-talented Dottie. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning. What an intro. Welcome and well done. Uh, what a book this is. Um, it all began uh, with you on holiday uh, with your then fiance, now wife, and you were reading Twitter, you silly girl, uh, when you should have been relaxing, and you saw something on it. What was it and what happened next? Um, well, just to set the scene, yes, I was on holiday and I'm a bit of a recovering rager. So <laughs> I was somebody that I would react to every hot topic. Right. I'd weigh in on every debate. I'd call out minor transgressions. Um, and then I was on holiday, uh, did the worst thing you could ever do, which is check any sort of social media platform. Right. And uh, it was 2018, it was January, and many people may remember this day. It was when the internet was up in arms over a H&M hoodie. Uh, a, a small black boy had been chosen to be the face of a H&M hoodie that said, the coolest monkey in the jungle. And the internet was, was up in arms. There was just mass outrage, wall to wall. There was a massive pylon um, uh, sort of uh, attacked at, at H&M. And I just felt as though I'd, I'd run out of steam. I just wasn't outraged. And I thought, this is perhaps a bit of an epiphany. And that is the point at which the, the book begins. OK, now you checked with your mum, first of all, didn't you? I did. I checked with my mum because I thought, OK, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going crazy, yeah. you know, Maybe I maybe I'm just the person that is not seeing this uh, mm-hmm. for what it is. So I, you know, as you do sometimes, you say, "Well, what do you think of this?" Yeah. And I checked in with my mum, and she was like, "Oh, terrible, isn't it?" And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna." There needs to be some sort of uh, sobering moment, and I and I wrote an article to say I think we're all going mad. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because you weren't quite sure whether you were outraged or overraged or overrage almost. Yeah, and this is the thing. You reach a point, which is the point that I've reached that, that allowed me to write the book, where I had to figure out if I was in a, in a place of fatigue. I think some people just hit that point where they've been so outraged that you almost reach a point of apathy. Um, but then I, I kind of figured out as I was writing the book that I wasn't, I wasn't um, over outraged. Mm-hmm. I was just learning how to channel my outrage better. And yeah. it was just something that I wanted to share because I think it's a... It's a lesson that we all need to figure out in this in this time. It's a, it's a fascinating book. It's funny, you know. It, it's 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 very educational. It's enlightening. And what I one of the bits I like about it best is about two thirds of the way through, where you talk about the fact that you know if you want to be outraged, you have to earn the right to be outraged, and then you have to put the effort in. And it's too easy to be outraged now, and because it's too easy, the currency of of being becoming outraged is now devalued almost to being completely um, ineffective. Exactly. We've kind of, I think we've just overinflated the outrage bubble. And because of that, it, 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 it's popped. I think it's, it's now become just our default setting yeah. in, in our sort of online conversations. It's the sentiment that carries the furthest and the fastest online is outrage. So when something really warrants outrage, it's, it's difficult to move the needle because that's already where we are. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, 
it's a, it's a tricky thing that we need to negotiate because it is it's so nuanced. Yeah, the more noise uh, you hear, uh, the, no, the more noise there is, the less you can hear. Outrage is a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil, says your book. It can be used to support the right thing. It can be used to support the wrong thing. It's just a tool like the internet. The internet is good if we're educating ourselves, but it can also be a place where people hack and scam and do all kinds of criminal stuff online. Outrage is like a hot potato. You want to pass it into the right hands at the right time. And your book, it was, you know, I don't know when you finish your book, when you send it to the publisher, but it's way ahead of its time because um, this week everybody's been talking about the cancel culture again you know JK yeah. Rowling you're talking about cancel culture um, yesterday who else was going to be cancelled the famous actress who's in um, oh, Killing Eve you know is she going to be cancelled because she's going to, with a guy who's a Republican registered Republican Trump supporter so she, she might people be gonna, people were going to cancel David Williams a couple of weeks ago yeah absolutely and you say here the world unanimously agreed that Rachel Deleza which is a lady you talk about uh, should be cancelled so you were way ahead of this curve yeah, and you know what? There's there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to cancel culture. Yeah. Um, it's again, it's a very nuanced thing, and I think that's part of the issue with outrage. We feel like we have to be totally for or totally against something. So it's like with cancel culture, people are like, okay, am I for or am I against it? And it's not it's not that simple, and that's why we kind of end up completely polarized in constant disputes because we feel we have to be on either side of the debate. Cancel culture is a flawed idea. For many reasons, and I think in, people, some, in some cases we weaponize it against the wrong things. Yeah, and lots of people just want to be on the winning side of the debate, don't they? They don't really care one way or another. Absolutely, that's that's a big part of what I call faux rage in the book. It sometimes <laughs> we just want to stand on the right side of morality. We want to be with the majority, and it's more about sort of PRing ourselves as opposed to actually standing for something. Right. I love the final, the title of the final chapter. There's a bit after as well. Uh, chapter eight is Make Outrage Great Again. That's a beautifully poetic title. <laughs> Timely. Oh, dear me. Well, I love the book. Uh, what else are you up to, Ashley? I am, um, well, got a few weeks left of the One Extra Breakfast show uh-huh. before I sadly say goodbye to the BBC. Yeah. And then on to New Horizons and, and more books. Chris. All right. Uh, great uh, great cover endorsement here. Funny, nuanced and wonderful from John Ronson. Do you know John Ronson? So he was the first person to read my book off my editor. So he wow. read it before any member of my family, any friend, and um, he was incredibly supportive. So it's great to have a, a, a John Ronson endorsement on the cover. I was going to say, uh, not that he needs this, but it's, it's a kind of book I bet, I bet he, he wishes he'd, he'd thought of and he'd written, uh, but you have. So well done to you. Thank you so much, Chris. It is a great book. It's a great, great book. Why Everyone is Shouting and No One is Talking, for heaven's sake, by Ashley Dotty Charles. It's called Outraged. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Right, we have time to talk to two more amazing people. Who may they be, Vassar? They've entertained generations of children and, let's be honest, grown-ups for 25 wacky years. We love the hairstyles, we love the creamy muck-muck, we love the bogeys, and we love the fact that they're performing live now. So please welcome the delightful, the drive-in, Dick and Dom. Bogies! <laughs> Bogies <laughs> to you. Morning. Good morning, Good morning you two. That was absolutely... I bet you've never done an announcement like that before, have you? <laughs> any, any sentence that includes the word bogies is a bogies! bonus sentence. 
follow us to our graves, I reckon. Yeah, but it's your fault. <laughs> well, everyone loves a catchphrase, don't they? You yeah. know, everyone loves a catchphrase. Bogies has been ours. Made a whole career out of one word. Good. Um, several mortgages later. You, you, yes, thank you very much indeed. Bogies! Exactly. exactly. Right. You say it all the time. L- listen, you two. Um, I don't know who I'm talking to at any one point, so you two, you two, uh, you two sort that out. Uh, Dick and or Dom, um, what are you up to live-wise? Uh, you seem to be leading the charge here. How's it going and what are you doing? Uh, well, we're doing, uh, we're back on stage. Can you believe? We're actually on stage in front of an audience and it will feel utterly beautiful. It's the driving club and it's going to be happening this weekend. We're going to be performing on a stage in a car park uh, in North uh, West London uh, in front of people in and out of their cars. <laughs> when Dom says we're performing to an audience, we're actually performing to a massive bunch of cars. It's going to be a bit random. Right, now have you done it before? Do you know it works? We haven't done, no, done it before. We, we don't know it works, but it, it started last weekend. They've got a great lineup. They had Dom Jolly on last weekend. They've got Jason Manford coming up, Bill Bailey, Nish Coop, Eddie Izzard's just been announced. This is all over the next few weeks. And it looks like it's going down a storm. There was probably about 200 cars in a car park in Brent Cross right. uh, watching live entertainment out of lockdown. So people were loving it. So, so, it is, so it's like a, it's, it's the drive-in format. So people drive in. Um, do they get anything? Is, is there sort of yeah. a table service or, you know, anything yeah. through a window and things like that? Just like the original American movie drive-in. You know, you can order food, you can order pizza to be delivered to your door, you can order drinks. You can cram your car full of people as well. So it's not just you on your own in a car you can have your whole family in the car and you do get a little social distance area just outside your car as well so it's going to be nice weather tomorrow so you can drive in sit outside your car order your food and drinks and watch our show for an hour and i think people (laughs) are really in the frame of mind now where they just want to be entertained a little bit they do they do my mate uh, big chris who runs carfest who you know very well you know he says oh yeah he says if you can put a show on and and put tickets up for sale they 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 will sell out in a flash because people just want to go and do something almost almost anything I'm not putting you in that category by the way Dick and Dom uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean and I'm really not now if you've never been Dick and Dommed before what can these drive-in uh, people expect well we're doing the Dick V Dom DJ battle so it's basically a tune-off um, so we pick a category like rock music. Dom plays a tune from his box. I play a tune from my box. The cars or the crowd decide yep. which tune is best. Right now, how are they going to decide? Please tell me it's the flashing of lights and the honking of horns. Of course, yes! of course. Yes! <laughs> you know, Chris, we've got a honkometer as well. Oh, so come on. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, oh, and if, you go, if it goes on for long enough, you'll have a honk up ometer as well. Uh, so Indeed. Who, who, is, it, is there a lineup? I mean, you're on for an hour, surely. I, I'm imagining there's other jam in this sandwich as well. Well, yeah, no, I mean, no. the, the lineup is just getting bigger each week. Like I said, Eddie Izzard's just been announced. Uh, Vivian from uh, a UK Drag Race, Marcus Brigstoke, Ed Byrne, uh, Jonathan Pye's there. It's just brilliant. Loads of stand ups, loads of stuff for families. Sooty, Basil Brush. What, is, that, is, he, the, is that all this weekend? Yeah, uh, no, 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 no. That's spread out over the month. All but right, here's, okay. here's something's right. If you're worried about driving in uh, because you've got an old banger of a car, don't worry because. I drove in, just we did want to do some promo the other day. Drove in, we did the promo, I got back in my car, and my car broke down and wouldn't start. But the guys <laughs> there were on hand to fix my car, and I drove Yay! home. Yay! Hey! Honk, honk, <laughs> honk, honk, bogeys! Exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's Jason Manford on us, uh, after us tomorrow, so you can watch Dick and Dom, then yep. Jason Manford. What more do you want in life? Okay, no, it's great, it's great. Are you nervous? 
Yeah, we are a bit because it's just it's just going into the unknown. I mean, you know, yeah. usually you can see the faces of the crowd, you can hear the reaction, but it's it is going to be a bit random doing it to a bunch of cars. It's yeah. a great idea. So, what time will you get off stage, and what what time can you celebrate and and, and look back on what the, the the new boundaries and the new growth that you've just achieved and experienced? We are on half three till half four, and then oh. we'll be going for a lie down in the back of our own cars, <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. Well, listen, good luck. Uh, let us know how it Cheers, goes. Chris. I think it sounds amazing. Well done, boys. Cheers, Thank mate. You. Okay. Drive in, Drive-in.club for tickets. Yeah, I was going to say, no, but feel free to say that again. Drive-in.club. Drive-in.club yeah. for tickets. And go. if this works well, and I'm sure it will, uh, you're going to roll this out over the UK over the summer? Is that, could that happen? Well, we're actually, we're actually doing a, another tour over August. Yeah, we're going re- all around the country. Edinburgh, Leeds, Bristol, everywhere. So check the website for that. Live with not Live Nation as well. All right, pal. Well done. Uh, happy Friday, boys. ta Cheers, Chris. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three great guests already, but there's still so much more to come. Downton Abbey's Laura Carmichael pops on the phone to delve into the details and dastardly plot of her new dramatic Australian set, BBC One series, The Secrets She Keeps. We grill Sky F1's commentator Crofty on the successful return of Formula One this season. And survivalist supremo Ray Mears digs into his debut cookbook, Wilderness Chef, and its earthy, wholesome recipes. All of that and more still to come, so let's get right back to it. Vassal Sue's next. Many of us met her as Lady Edith, and since delighting us in Downton, she starred in several super series and Oscar-nominated films. Now she's bringing the Aussie drama, The Secret She Keeps, to UK screens with a role so different you may barely recognise her. Please welcome the cool, calm, charismatic, and now a bit creepy, Laura Carmichael. Good morning, Loza. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Well, we're fantastic. And by the way, congratulations on this programme. It is awesome. What a character for you as an actress to get your teeth into. Tell us about her. Yeah, so I play Agatha, um, who works in a supermarket in Australia. She's pregnant. And you see her meet um, Megan, this other woman who's also pregnant. Who has the kind of perfect life? He's the yeah. um, he's a mummy blogger and lives in a perfect house, and yeah, she sort of obsesses over Megan. Um, but yeah, they have very different lives. And, yeah, but you know, yeah, um, it's really creepy. One one person's perfection is another's imperfection because exactly. all is not well anywhere really in this it's program. True. That's it. Yeah, it's very much like commenting on that world of social media and kind of putting yourself out there to have this sort of beautiful life on social media and actually hiding some other secrets. Yeah, it's, but it, it is much more than that. I mean, it's not, you know, don't yeah. get me wrong, Laura, that's a great headline, but it's so much more consuming <laughs> than that. It's, okay. it's, it's so fascinating. Uh, and, you know, it's beautiful. The rhythm is beautiful, isn't it? You know, the, there's, not too yeah. many, there's not too many twists and turns for it to be unbelievable. Um, that's but, good. But they come yeah. just, just when they're required and just when you forget there might 
be about to to be one if you know what i mean yeah oh i'm so pleased that you like that i love um, it and we're, yeah. we're seeing more and more australian dramas um now. Yeah. Uh, tell us tell us about that phenomenon well i mean i i loved the script when i read it but i also was really excited lots of the team had worked on animal kingdom have you seen that movie i haven't to be honest it's amazing it's amazing um but yeah there's loads of great stuff coming out of australia and and the yeah the whole team were just um, fantastic! So I, I jumped at the chance to go. Right now, how, how much do we say about the first episode? I mean, I people, know it's hard, isn't it? Well, um, people, people might have seen it last night, but a lot of people, you know, uh, if they have to go to bed if it's a school night, they'll be catching up earlier yeah, on tonight. I would imagine. That's it. But yeah, it's kind of it's about the kind of need to be a mother and what that does to these women and the, the pressure. So it's a thriller, but it's sort of the drama comes out of that that feeling and and what what drives you, what you're going to do for, to have the perfect family. Yeah, a desire, desire to be a mum, a need yeah. to be seen, a need That's to have an it. identity, a need to be recognised, a need to be remembered, a need mm-hmm. to be valued. Um, That's it. That's your character, isn't it? And, yeah. But you're sort of, um, your co-lead role. Uh, yeah, Megan, she, brilliant, she, Jessica. Yeah, she, she, mm. has, she has all that. And yet, maybe, maybe, no spoilers, yeah. maybe has very little at all. Exactly. Dun, dun, exactly. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really different. And I know it felt like something I hadn't read before that was really exciting. It's funny because the first two episodes are so full and so layered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's great because it's simple but not simplistic. Um, yeah. you know, it's engaging but not exhausting. And I'm thinking, yeah. there's four more of these. Where are they going to go next? I know. Do they get? Yeah. Does it? Does it get it better? Builds. Does it get? It does. Yeah, I think it does because it really takes you. Um, you see, the women's lives change, you know, yeah. and um, uh, it really develops in in ways that I, I don't think are expected. And I think your feeling towards both characters changes. So that's the thing that I really liked. No one is fully bad or fully, you know without blame it's um it moves and undulates which is really satisfying how much do you have to act in a role like this as opposed to say in a downton role i mean yeah are the different degrees of engagement with characters and things i mean i guess so i mean it, it's all kind of building stuff up for you know in your in your brain you know and so with something like this there's a lot of research of figuring out backstory and so that you can come to set with all of that and then um sort of slip into it and the fun thing with with Agatha is that she can turn really quickly um and yeah there's sort of no absolutes to what her mood might do um but I guess you know the difference with something like Downton is there is a kind of style and a kind of um, which comes from the period, but also just the nature of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they are different, but both super fun. You know. Is it is it is down to more like sort of having having a seat uh, behind a music stand in an orchestra? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, this she's a bit more punk. Agatha's a bit more punk. Yeah, a bit more like. Definitely. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I mean, I guess Danton's very held, and it has a kind of look you and restraint. Not... You you you, yeah. you you know you have to play the right chords for everybody else's sake, and they have to play them back exactly. to you. Otherwise, it all falls apart. Whereas in this, you can go hell for leather. Out of ten, you know, from a juicy point of view, from your point of view, from a job point of view, out of ten, what would you what would you score, Agatha? Oh, I loved it. I mean, 
I feel like I could only give like a 10. She's a 10, isn't it. she? She is a 10. Yeah, Everybody's a, a 10. And the, bloke, yeah. the blokes in it as well, you know, it's They're like, great, oh my goodness me. Yeah, it's all, you, you think, I'm not sure, do I hate him or do I not hate him? I know. Is it, are his, are his problems justified in this world, which we, you know, are watching this in today? Who knows? Yeah. All right, Laura, yeah. lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. Congratulations. Well done. You're very welcome. You're always welcome on this show. Uh, Laura Carmichael, The Secret She Keeps, is on telly at the moment. Uh, BBC iPlayer via Sky Q. It is very, very, very good. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Next up, we've got super sub Sam Pingham chatting to the legendary William Shatner. Morning, William. Good morning to you. William, let me just tell you this. Over the weekend, we sat down on Friday, um, obviously it's Monday morning here, we sat down on Friday to start watching The Unexplained and we just got, we, we were so in. It, my, my wife and I've got two daughters, Evie's 10 and Nancy's 7. We felt they were probably too young for the, for the cult one, but my wife and I loved the cult one. I mean, let's talk, let's talk through that because we must have paused it 27 times during watching it just to discuss the cults and how they come about. Oh, I'm so thrilled that you feel that way, because that's the way I feel. Uh, you know, we're surrounded uh, by mystery. Uh, the uh, universe is expanding. It should be contracting. Why is that? You know, and then there are things like uh, uh, prophecy, like when, in, in, uh, when the towers, when the uh, world uh, towers were hit by those airplanes, apparently there were several people days before who had a vision that that was going to happen. Mm. How, how, do you, how do you explain deja, de, not deja vu, but uh, people who can see the future? How do, you, how do you explain that? So during your investigations, are there any of these cases that you wish you hadn't looked into? No, because everything is just for the journey of your life. We, we don't know the final mystery. I mean, what's the end? What, what happens at the end? We don't know the last chapter, and it looks like we'll never know, uh, or we can't. Uh, you know, there are some of us who think we really don't know. Some people believe, have faith that they do know, but they don't really know. They just have faith that they know. So the final chapter is the biggest mystery of all, and yet there's speculation about that. People who claim to have come back from the dead, people who've had visions. There, there, there's a case of a guy who was in a car accident and in a coma for a lengthy period of time. And when he came out of the coma, he was able to play the piano like a, with the skill of a concert pianist. And he had never taken a lesson before. And he's on tour now. Did you get to the bottom of how that, how that could have happened? Or, or? No, no, man. It's unexplained. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean... there's all kinds of stories. I, I was discussing uh, monarch butterflies with uh, a kid uh, yesterday. Mm. Are you aware that monarch butterflies fly from Mexico to Canada 3,000 miles and maybe many, maybe as many as 10, I think it's five or six generations of monarch butterflies take place as they make this, this migration? 3,000 miles, then they get there and they do something, I'm not quite sure what, and then they return to a few acres in Mexico, and they keep doing it. What, how, does that, how does that happen? What, what forces are, are there that uh, allow them to do that? We were filled with mystery, Sam. 
mystery abounds all over. And if we take cognizance, if we're aware of the mysteries and the joy of the mysteries, we can enjoy them. If that isn't a pitch, the perfect pitch for the series, I don't know what is. That's oh, it, it, you, well, we're on Sky. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. I've got to do my job. Of course you do. Of course you do. We, uh, we opened on June 9th, exclusive to Sky History, and we're part of a Summer of Secrets campaign, and it's a block of brand new theme programming which dives deep into the world of conspiracies, ancient mysteries, and the bizarre. And it's every Tuesday night. And tomorrow night is um, is the episode. It's, it's, it's episode five of eight, and episode five of eight is extreme weather conditions. Have you ever considered doing a podcast, presenting a podcast or an audio? Well, book? I have in the past. Oh, you I, have. You I've have. done interview shows, and I've done uh, yeah, I've done I've done some. I I very well could come up with something in this in in this period of time. Uh, don't know whether it be a podcast or an interview show. I'm uh, doing a lot of stuff in Zoom. Right. Are you zooming? Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. I wish a, I wish I owned it. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Um okay, so the two things I need to tell you is is every so tomorrow night and every Tuesday night on Sky History, a new episode tomorrow night, it's all about extreme weather conditions, extreme weather Watch unexplained. It. Watch the show. It's it's bizarrely fascinating in that it deals with mysteries that surround us all the time. And and things that we that we look at and imagine and are they real or are they not real? You know, what is, I, I'm intrigued by what is, how can people tell the future? How do they know what's going to happen? Does that mean it's already happened? I mean, just think of the, of the uh, things that could explain what uh, foretelling the future is. I wish you were my grandpa. I am. <laughs> they, they didn't that tell you because they, they thought it would shock you. That explains We wanted it. to keep it a secret since you've opened it up. <laughs> now, Sky VIP's Night in with William Shatner is this Wednesday, 8th of July, 7pm. If you want to get involved, you want to ask William questions, you want to have him talk to you like this and explain or possibly not things to you, then go to my Sky app or sky.com slash VIP to enter. That's going to be fascinating. I'm going to be on... Uh, on, on camera uh, and answering questions like you're asking me uh, with members of the audience. That's going to be fun. It looks great. It looks great. William, thank you so much for coming on with thank us today. Thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, I wish you uh, well in this time of need and take care. And you. Thank you very much. William Shatner, what a pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. She's performed in front of popes and presidents, the Queen and the crowd at the cup final. Over half a million went to her place for a lockdown concert. She's making her acting debut later this year and her 14th studio album, Cinema Paradiso, is out now. So please welcome the super soprano, the national treasure, Catherine Jenkins. Good morning, Catherine. (laughs) Good morning. How are you doing, Catherine? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Are you missing your rugby? Yeah, of course. Missing lots of things yeah. at the moment. What else, are you, what, else are, what else are you missing? What else are you hoping to get back to? 
What, what is on the back burner? Oh, well, I haven't been able to go to Wales yet, so I'm really missing Wales and missing the family and missing going out to eat. Like, I haven't been to a restaurant yet, so that's something I'm looking forward to doing. OK, do you have a, one planned? Because now that we can go, we're, we're like, we used to go a lot, we're, we're all right now. We're thinking, well, we, yeah, we could go, but we'll find the way we are. We've got that kind of vibe y going on. Yeah, I'm starting to think about it, but I haven't booked anything yet. Should we talk <laughs> about that, that very special performance in the Albert Hall? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was so lovely to get, to be asked to do that. I felt very honoured. Tell us, tell us, for people who, who may not know what we're talking about, do you mind sort of walking us through it? I was meant to be presenting the uh, 75th anniversary of VE Day from the Albert Hall. Mm. Um, there was a, a concert that was, of course, then postponed. Uh, but the Albert Hall got in touch and said, look, we'd still like to do something. And would you consider singing to a completely empty Albert Hall? It's never been done in history. Um, so we, we we put on a concert that was on YouTube, um, streamed live, and um, to kind of continue to mark the anniversary. And also it drove funds back to the Albert Hall, which has been struggling Lately, and it was it was really emotional. You know, it wasn't until I got to the end of the uh, end of the performance that I sort of looked up and and was trying to style it out by trying to take in the Albert Hall back. I was trying not to cry because it suddenly hit me why all the seats were empty and why we were yeah. doing this, and there was just a handful of us in there. Because you performed at so many emotional events, you know, how, how do you hold it together? Do do you have tricks? Um, just try to keep my try and keep a calm head because sometimes actually it can all get the better of you. I think I'm quite an, an emotional person, and sometimes you can kind of get along with the uh, with the sense of occasion. Um, but with something like that, obviously we had to really have our wits about us as well because it was at the height of the of the pandemic yeah. um, and it was in full lockdown. So we were kind of you know all being really really careful and, and cautious with the with the guidelines and everything. Uh, maybe the most memorable thing you've ever done if you have to sort of quantify that yeah yeah that that and i mean i also got to do the one at buckingham palace for for the bbc and that was also just very strange because there was nobody in the mall there was nobody out the front of buckingham palace and i got to stand there in front of you know behind the railings and sing we'll meet again and again that was just something i know i'll never see it like that ever again yeah. um so lockdown for me has been really memorable all right, the Cinema Paradiso. Let's talk about that. Um, Cinema Paradiso, great film, anyhow. Um, so, oh, yeah. so you caught, you decided to call your album this. Uh, so your twelve favourite moments from the the world of cinematic musicals. <laughs> Yeah, music I, I, it's, I mean, there's there's so many. Um, I love film. I love film music. Um, there's big influence of film at home because my husband's a director and, and he wrote me into a film this year where I got to um, be in it, but also sing on the soundtrack with Ryuchi Sakamoto. So these are my kind of, they had to be iconic film musical moments and they had to have a reason that, a personal reason why I wanted to include them. So uh, take us through the 12th, off you go. Oh, okay. Uh, things like uh, John Dunbar's theme from Dances with Wolves, um, Tonight and Somewhere from West Side Story, and that's a duet with Luke Evans. So I wanted to do a sort of Welsh power duet with him. Uh, Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany, uh, Maybe Lord of the Rings, Schindler's List, Pinocchio from, um, you know, When You Wish Upon a Star, and A Star is Born. It's just every, every single one I wanted it to be like you, you heard it, you knew where it was from. And Singing in the Rain, for example, one of my dad's favourite songs. And I sang Moon River when my best friend got married and she asked me to walk to, to sing it while she walked down the aisle. Moon River, what a... I mean, all fantastic songs. I haven't seen The New Star Is Born. 
have you not? No. Oh, you should see it. No. And especially the song I'll Never Love Again is when um, on the album. She, but she sings that, you know, in the this very emotional moment. She sings it at an award ceremony. And I thought, you know what, even though that's more probably the most contemporary song um, and film I've chosen on the album, it is quite an iconic moment. So it, it, it definitely counted. We can't let you go uh, without talking about Dame Berlin either oh dim vera i know what a, what a wonderful lady how well did you know her how closely did you work with her we met in 2005 at the v day for the 60th anniversary and we got chatting backstage and she told me all about her trips to burma and going out to the troops and she's the one that really encouraged me to then go out to iraq um and then over the sort of you know, 15 years of both being involved with the veterans and she'd always ask me what, you know, about my next trips to Afghanistan and places like that. Um, yeah, we became friends and I saw her very much as a friend and a mentor. Um, and I just, uh, I just don't think that they, they make them like Dame Vera Lynn anymore. <laughs> she was such an inspiration, honestly. She was unbelievable. And, you know, the voice, from a, from a you know, a, a world-class vocalist point of view, can you describe her voice to us? Because it did cut through to somewhere very, very deep in, in, in everyone. I think it was about her song choices. I think that she, um, she was the one that knew what she wanted to sing and she looked for songs that had a certain sentiment because she knew what people wanted to hear. And when she found those songs, she was really, really good at emoting them and her voice is so emotional. So I think it was just, it was having that instinct about what people needed to hear musically. Wow. Beautiful. And when, <laughs> when might you get across the border to Wales? I suppose when, when, they, when it's allowed? Well, no, we, we, I think we'll be allowed to go now. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to try and make a plan with my mum because I'm yeah, desperate to see everybody back there. So, I don't know, as soon as we can. All right, lots of love, Catherine. Thank you so much. Oh, lovely to chat to you. Nice Thanks for having to talk me. To you. You're very welcome anytime. Right, Cinema Paradiso, the brand-new offering from Catherine Jenkins, is out now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Well, let's be honest, the long-awaited return of Formula One on Sky Sports was not good. It was rip-roaringly, pulsatingly, edge-of-your-seat amazing! And guess what? We get to do it all again, back in Austria this weekend. So lights out, and here we go with our good pal and Super Sky Sports commentator, David Crofty! Good morning, Crofty! Morning, morning. Happy Thursday, everyone. What a way for Formula One to come back. Was it scripted? Who did they draft in? (laughs) How long did the script take to write? Who directed it? Who played Lewis Hamilton on Sunday. That wasn't the real F1, was it? It was amazing. I know, it was sensational. Uh, Martin Scorsese couldn't come come (laughs) up with that plot line, I don't think. Um, It is not often, boys, that Martin Brundle and myself forget it's the last lap, but we both forgot it was the last lap on Sunday because we were so excited about what was going on. Um, If if this week's race is half as good, we're still going to be on the edge of our seats. Uh, I, I know all good things are worth waiting for, but blimey, Formula One must be a good thing. If yeah, this is the and evidence. you must have heaved a huge sigh of relief because it could have gone, it could have gone horribly, boringly wrong, couldn't oh, it? Yes, it could have done. But Austria is a track where you can overtake, and and I think it's a very good venue to start, especially in the middle of the year. One of the problems with Australia, where we normally start, is we wait all winter long and then go to a track where it's almost impossible to overtake. So um, I think that's food for thought for the organisers for the future on that one. But I think all the drivers as well, uh, Chris, were, were so desperate to put on a show yeah. and to get out there. They've been starved of action too. So it was always going to be a recipe for success, I think. No, it absolutely was. Now, if you were an alien and you just landed and you heard this interview and 
somehow in between um, leaving your spaceship or your flying saucer and, and landing, you, you somebody told you the reels of Formula One and you're up to speed. And then you heard the next bit about Formula One you heard was, yeah, and uh, well, it's always better when you have a track where you can overtake. And the alien would say, well, why should, isn't that playing like like football without goals? You know, and you say that now and people who don't like Formula One go, well, sh- that's why I don't like it. Why? And you say, well, th- maybe that's food for thought. You're not kidding. No, absolutely, but the, the difference between F1 and football, obviously the ball, uh, but F1, F1, F1 evolves. F- football has stayed pretty much the same over the years. Yeah. F1 evolves. Engineers design different cars. Each car, each season yep. is vastly different to the season before, and that's why some tracks are great one year and some tracks ten years later might not be quite as good. Right. No, I, I get it. I don't care. I don't care what... Frankly, I don't care what the reasons are, Crofty. You know, <laughs> there used to be loads of overtaking in motor racing and then there weren't so they did used to have goals and then they took them away but if, if we can get them back like you say maybe maybe yeah. i mean vassus did you did flirt with the idea of just keeping formula one at austria just austria yeah it's, yeah. it's such a good track. it was fun last year it was fun this year and i'm really looking forward to it. i'm actually glad they're not tinkering with the with the you know with the grids and stuff i'm glad that we get the same again you know betting firms always say well we don't want we don't want the same basically the same thing twice because you're, you're taking away so many variables but with austria with the grand prix in austria there's loads of variables fine you know i, know. I, I very exactly. much doubt the same thing will happen again well, I, I've got breaking news for you guys. There is one big change to this Sunday's race. Ooh, come on. Max Verstappen's allowed to do 71 laps. That's going to be the big change. <laughs> he doesn't have to retire after 11 laps. Because that's the last three times for him, isn't it, there? Uh, well, no, not a lot. He, he won uh, two years on the trot. Oh, and right, then sorry. he re- retired. But before that, he'd had a really bad one. i tell you who doesn't like Austria. Lewis Hamilton. Mm. Only track on the calendar that he's not been on the podium at in any of the last uh, four seasons. <laughs> he doesn't like it there. But, you know, with just a few laps to go, um, we had 14 cars, then we're down to 11. So, Kimi Raikkonen's uh, car starts to fall apart like a clown's car, only worse. <laughs> and then you get you get Sebastian Vettel, who should have had learner L plates on. Um, for, <laughs> he was awful. I mean, he's completely disengaged, doesn't he? Do you think it's because he knows he's not... Because this happened with... Who did it happen with before? Was it Man? Like, I can't remember somebody who knew they weren't going to be racing after this season for a while and just eased off and thought, I ain't going to take any risks. I'm not, into, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just phoning it in, frankly, from now on. Oh, yeah. Jack Villeneuve, I think, was the same in 2006, my first year in Formula One. And in Seb's defence, he said the car was undrivable and changed a lot between Friday and Sunday. Right. Uh, if I was the case for the prosecution, the one thing he doesn't want to be doing a lot this year is crashing into the man who's replacing him next year. It, it's never a good look. I know. And what else is it? So there's um, and Albon. Uh, you know, he's just got to he's got to learn to 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 bite his lip a little bit, hasn't Patience. he? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Patience is a virtue, Chris, as we all know. And, and that's twice in three races. He's tangled with Lewis Hamilton and it's cost him a podium. And that, that could spell trouble for Alex Albon. A podium takes all the pressure off him and to lose it puts all the pressure back on this season. Shall we give a big shout out this morning, though, for Lando Norris? Yes. yes. Third yes. youngest podium sitter in Formula One. What a last lap. OK, and racing, what a man. racing point. What's happened with them under lockdown? What have they been working on secretly? Well... Uh, Apparently, they've been taking photos of the Mercedes car and oh. then uh, designing <laughs> do it. Uh, the exact same bit. <laughs> That'll do it. OK, fair enough. Yeah. Got it, got it. Um, well, why not? Yeah, and what, what whispers do you hear ahead of uh, this weekend's events and adventures? Right. OK, so the big story in F1 this week is that uh, for next season, Fernando Alonso is back. Whoa! Ladies and gentlemen. 
He never wanted to go away, but he's coming back and he's going back to Renault. So that's the third time he's going to be with Renault. It's like uh, F1's version of mm. Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. They just can't <laughs> stay away from each other, quite frankly. Um, so he's back. That's going to be good. Whispers will be Mercedes knew they had a problem going into the race last week uh, with some electrical issues. That's why they were having trouble shifting gears, changing gears. They had to manage that during the race. That won't be the case this week. Valtteri Bottas has never won back-to-back races in F1 ever has a great chance of doing so this week. My money's on Lewis Hamilton to bounce back and show everyone why he's a six-time world champion. Why, why do you think that? Because Bottas you know, consistently he, he is building a graduated jump on Lewis. Mm. So, so how, why, do you, why, do you, why are you still uh, worshipping at the altar of, of Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> well, I'm from Stephen, it's for a start. Oh, that's so, that. So, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> See you, Crofty. Thanks very much. Bye. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest has been teaching us to survive in the wild for over 15 years. Now he's going to tell us how survival can taste nice. His new cookbook, Wilderness Chef, is out tomorrow. So let's start rubbing those sticks together and making a fire as we welcome the wild, the wonderful Ray Mears. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Chris. You're you're getting him quite well trained, aren't you? <laughs> He's good, isn't he? Ray, it's great to talk to you again. I miss you so much. I mean, we still watch loads of your stuff with the kids on the telly on YouTube and things. Um, we'll talk good. about the book in a second or two. What else are you up to at the moment? Gosh, well, I'm in lockdown like the rest of us. So I've been enjoying just going out watching nature for my own benefit, which sure. has been lovely. OK, now, if some people may be listening to this who, who may not know who Ray is um, after a while. But listen, we're coming up to the summer break uh, for the kids. Some people north of the border are already uh, in summer holidays with their kids. You've got to get on YouTube. You've got to watch some classic Ray Mears, um, some, some amazing life hacks in there, uh, way before life hacks was even a phrase. <laughs> I spent the weekend with Ray once, and he gave me a Ray Mears knife, and he said, look, Chris, you're only as sharp as your knife. Uh, and you actually gave me a couple, one for me and one for my wife, Ray. I don't know if you remember. But um, they, I've now gifted those to my sons, and literally oh, they, they, it's their number one prized possession your knives to them and they were whittling away uh, tent poles um, uh, they've been doing it you know for the last three or four weeks and they love it and the, the street you know all the strength cuts that you have yes the different way you, you make no, you, you'll have taught them and you have taught them with responsibility and they will be turning into fine responsible adults which is part of the magic of those skills yeah none of that's true uh, but uh, the last bit is what i do is i take the laptop outside uh, within wi-fi um distance and i say watch ray do everything he says don't do anything i say which is fair enough isn't it um, that's great out of all the stuff you did on telly and you're hopefully still going to do on telly Ray mm. uh, was there anything better than when you made that Canadian canoe have you ever done a better half hour of telly than that well that wasn't like work that was just fun tell, tell everybody uh, like... what I'm talking about what is it called exactly <laughs> yeah and it's a canoe basically the original Canadian canoe was made from birch bark I'd always wanted to make one. It's, it, to me, it's the most amazing thing in that you literally float on the water on your knowledge of the materials around you. And I had the opportunity to, to spend nine days working with um, an Algonquin Indian building a canoe. We built it from scratch together. It was really hard work. It normally takes a month to do. 
And it was just amazing. It was, you know, to see the, the knowledge and the skill that that man had, his approach to the whole, you know, he made all the tools he needed as he went. You know, it's, it's just incredible. All right. The ultimate guide to cooking outdoors. Um, your favorite recipes in this, where have they come from? Any passed down from generation to generation, the Mears lineage? Tell me more. No, not really. Just things I've picked up along the way, traveling, things I really like. Um, there's a soup in there, naki sopa, which is Finnish. It's very easy to make, very healthy, and um, it's just so simple. And when you eat it, you know, in the cold, it, it fills you up, makes you feel good. So yeah, it's a lot of it's comfort food, obviously for the outdoors. Um, and I've tried to include everything from how to cook without utensils on sticks and to do it well, right up to getting into French sauces and you know going the whole mile. So it's a great way into cooking. Now, in this game of ours, you know, a lot of people say, stay in your lane, don't, don't dare come in ours. Um, have you run this by any chefs? Have you had any feedback from chefs? Because, I mean, you do, you know, you're very basic, how to grill, you know, how to dry a fish. These are all things that, that could be sort of fact-checked and, and almost marked from, from, some, from the cooking pros. Yeah. Do you feel... Do you no, feel I would be very happy for them to do so. I've, I, I like cooking, Chris. I'm very... Um, I like to go back to the fundamentals and to the origins of things. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. If we depart, we should have a point of departure. And so um, I've tried to be true to the recipes. So there are recipes from all around the world, and I've tried to, to show them in their most original format where I could. Okay. There's a, there's a whole section. I love this book, Ray. I love it. I, I love you, and I love it. Um, and I love them both even more it's a serious uh, book chris no no it's but there's a, there's a whole section on boiling so how you know yeah. bo boiling two two pages on boiling followed uh, swiftly by um a couple of pages on teas and wild teas australian billy tea from a billy can and then lemon tea and then masala chai and then cook an easy masala chai and then you know four pages on coffee and brewing coffee outdoors who doesn't want a bit of that in their life you know, it's, it's been great fun doing it. And I did a lot of research to see what's out there, what people are talking about these yep. things. And the world's gone nuts. I mean, I've seen people throwing salt and eggshells into coffee and all sorts of crazy things that we just don't do when we're really out. OK, let's get on to uh, soups. The soup's very handy outdoors. OK. And also, you know, when you're foraging, you know, if you're, for if you're foraging in a standard British wood, if there is such a thing, what might, yeah. what might be like top of the foraging list? Would it be nettles for soup? Would it be, what, what else might it be? Beech tree think, leaves or what? I think nettles are a great place to start. Right. Um, because everybody can identify them, even in the dark. Mm-hmm. And they're really undervalued. They're very good food. Right, when can we get more of you? How do we get more of Ray Mears again in our lives, Ray? Come on, tell us. Well, you know, I w I've made a series about wildlife in China, and that will go out on ITV next year, um, which was really interesting to be in China to see what's going on. I went with an open mind, and I was actually quite impressed with their conservation efforts. Conservation's new there, but it's, it's on, on the up, and they're doing the right things, and we saw some amazing wildlife. Okay, so really when's that going to be on the air? That goes out at the beginning of next year. All right. Um, Ray, this is wonderful. Uh, I challenge anybody to have a cookbook, anything like this in their cookbook collection. And some people go mad with cookbooks, mm. don't they? They have hundreds of them. It's called Wilderness Chef, The Ultimate Guide to Cooking Outdoors, Ray Mears. Ray, it's just great to hear you again. Honestly, I, I love talking to you. Thank Chris you so lovely. much for being here. Yeah, we should go and cook sometime. Let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. Let's, let's do a little auction for, for charity and get some people along with us. Let's do that again, shall we?
Very happy to do that. All right, pal. Well done. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.